Presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. We're back together for In Goal Radio, the podcast. A great feature interview this week with Connor Ingram of the Arizona Coyotes. And what a performance that one game this year uh, stands out from all the others uh, where he was absolutely sensational, unbeatable uh, in uh, that beautiful start. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that with the co-founders of In Goal magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison who uh, are coming off the heels of a great pro-read week. Pro-read week is one of those ones that really you have to concentrate on. Yeah, pro-read week. But you, you kind of, like pro is, is uh, the start of so many words, and it feels like it should be one word, pro-read. Uh, and then you got weak in there. And, uh, and so whoever came up with that, I, I love the concept, but we got to find a better title than pro read week. Uh, you know what? Like, uh, I think it's cause it was just pretty much off the top of our heads and it was basically a celebration of all the great pro reads that we had coming in, right? Got to spend an hour with Matt Murray and like talk about kicking off pro reads week with a bang, Darren, eight minutes of Matt Murray breaking down screens, not just the read on that particular one but basically did a how to manage screens video for us uh, in his Pro Reads debut to kick off Pro Reads week at ingoldmag.com. So uh, we had Phoenix Copley, uh, Joel Hofer, went back to some of our favorites. Connor Hellebuck's new to Pro Reads, Vesna Trophy winner, Linus Elmark, this year's Vesna Trophy winner, one of the best young goalies in the game in Thatcher Demko. Like, just like we've been, frankly, like at the risk of, Injuring my shoulder, patting ourselves on the back here. We've been killing it. And we wanted to celebrate this in part because we had so many sort of new guests. Wanted to roll them out and not wait like a month to get through all the new guests we got in the last couple of weeks. And two, uh, you know, honestly, the the interview with Carson Bjarnson, the new Philadelphia Flyers goaltender draft pick, where the development camp talked about pro reads as such a big part of, um, you know, sort of that style of reading the game and that they worked on video with that. It's like, Hey, like they're doing this at NHL development camps. We're doing this at ingoldmag.com. Let's do more of it. Let's celebrate it. And also Hutch has been busy making the pro reads page kick a little more ass. I don't know if you've had a chance to visit that yet, Darren, but maybe Hutch can tell you just how awesome the pro reads page is now. Well, it's a work in progress, but it's something that we've been talking about doing for a very long time, Darren. Because up until now, you could you could see all 180 pro reads that are up there, but you have to sort of go through them one at a time, page by page. Maybe you want to find Carey Price. You got to go way back because that he was there at the beginning of in goal. There was no real index other than going to the search function, which of course uh, in goal mag has. So we create a whole new page. It lists all 31 goaltenders at the top that have done pro reads for us. I think about a dozen or 13 now, you will see that their names are in blue and underlined their links. And if you click through to them you can get an individual goalies full archive of pro reads. So in the case of Kerry Price, you click on his name, you go through at the top of the page for those who just want to sort of Netflix style binge on these, there's a video player. So you can watch each of the pro read videos right away, one after the other. You don't have to watch, read the full article, all the great text that we've put together with those pro reads. Maybe you just want to cut right to the chase and see the videos. 
You can do that in the player at the top, top of each goaltender's page, or you can scroll down and you'll see the thumbnails for each and every pro read that they've done with us. Click on those. You can see the full article. So if you feel like it's a day you want to sit down with Carey Price for half an hour and learn from him, you go to his pro reads page and you can do that. And then maybe you're done that and you want to learn a bit from Thatcher Demko or Linus Allmark or one of, as I say, 13, 14, probably by the time this podcast is out, uh, probably close to 20 of these guys will be indexed at the top of the page with more and more often. So yeah, really, really proud of the work that uh, we've done with pro reads that Kevin created and has done most of them and that we've now been able to put together just to make it easier for people to access because we think it's one of the best features of InGoal. And uh, hey, I'm going to pull a Woody here and I'm just going to pivot to something else and keep talking, guys. I had the perfect sort of goalie parent experience today because I think this is how you can use pro reads. We watched the Matt Murray pro read together this morning before we hopped in the car on the way to the rink for a training session. And we talked about everything that was in there. And there was so much in there, so many little tidbits on the importance of the hand of the shooter in a screen situation. Whether you look short side or far side, whether you take a high stance or a low stance, and it turned into a great discussion, not just of, hey, did you notice what Matt does? But my Matt got to say, well, here's what I would have done in that situation. Or, yeah, that's great, but here's how maybe things change a little bit. So it turned into a great discussion, which is a fantastic way uh, for you to interact with your son or daughter who's a goaltender. Because I know we're talking to a lot of parents here who wonder, can my 10-year-old get something out of pro reads? Can my 15-year-old get something out of pro reads? They all can. It's just how you choose to use them. Maybe they just watch it and enjoy the experience and get one little tidbit out of it. Maybe it's something like this one where you can pick a whole bunch out. Because one of the great things here, I'm, I'm on a woody roll. This is awesome. One of the great things about them is that there's usually one or two small points in each one that you can focus on. Um, it's not sort of the tour de force like Matt's is today. Uh, usually it's just one little piece, maybe two pieces. So it's a nice tidbit for young goaltenders to work on. But we also know, don't we, Woody, that they're great for older goaltenders as well, because you can learn what the very best in the game are doing. Some of those nuances, and we know there's NHL goalies and NHL goalie coaches who sit down with these and learn from them as well. So something for people of all ages, really proud of the work we've done there. And Woody even found something else to say, despite me having a 20-minute speech on them. Well, no, we talked about parents using pro reads uh, with their young goalies as a teaching tool, as a learning tool, as a way to sort of understand how the best in the game, read the game, process the position, and what you can apply to your own game through that, whether it's beer league or kids. You know, goalie schools, private working with kids, goalie schools do, do it as well. And I think we've got to give a quick shout out to GTI Goaltending Training Institute, who uh, came on board with Ingle Magazine recently, bought a subscription for every student they're working with this summer. Um, and one of the parts of the conversation we had with them was about how they use these tools. And yes, sometimes, you know, an Alexander Ovechkin one-timer as a pro read, and we've done those with a couple different goalies, doesn't apply to little Johnny or Susie at 10, 11, or 12 years old. But as coaches, they find little takeaways within the pro reads and ask their goalies, hey, what can you apply from this to your level, to your game? What can you take away from it? And so just one more way 
um, that they use in goal mag as a tool to help their goaltenders get better. And, you know, you know, a little aside, quick shout out to them and thank you. And we'll have more information on it coming out soon for, um, you know, for seeing the value and then investing in their goaltenders. Cause it's not just, Hey, the goalies have ingolmag.com and an access to the Ingol premium subscription while they're in camp. It's for the entire year they invest in their goaltenders having that access. And in a lot of cases, they have students that come back and they do some of these review sessions where they go over some of our material, um, either review it or, like I said, ask, hey, how does this apply to your level or, or your age group or how can it apply? And Woody, thank, thanks to GTI for sure. What an awesome thing they're doing for their goaltenders and great support for in-goal. Let's not also forget that the Oakville Hockey Association in Southern Ontario is doing the same thing for all of their goaltenders and uh, at least one coach on every team will be getting a subscription to In Goal Magazine thanks to the association. So they're recognizing the value that uh, Pro Reads and everything we do and how it can fit in their overall goaltending development program. So thank you to them. Yeah, In Goal really is a blanket uh, for goaltenders, but Pro Reads gives you that inside the dress room inside the position inside the circumstance and situation uh, that uh, that you just can't find anywhere else on a depth the way that uh, you guys have offered up with so many different goaltenders and you said 31 different goaltenders great goalie number uh, i think 31 and you mentioned carry price a couple of times i don't know whether i don't know whether that was uh, planned or not but that was beautiful in tying those two uh, together and then with the the screen part of it, like there's a theory where you always did look to the stick side. Uh, and I think that's changed a little bit or evolved or uh, options there. I know some teams always say uh, you take the uh, the short side and the defenseman, if you're a shot blocking team, will block the far side. Like that, that's pre-planned, uh, uh, scripted uh, from a defending standpoint. But uh, but Matt Murray, uh, that that was beautiful, it, absolutely uh, fascinating uh, to to try to give that to to the regular, the layman, uh, the up and comer, the the men's leaguer, the uh, women's rec league player. It's 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 unbelievable uh, what that offered. Well, and, and just one quick shout out because we, you know, I've been doing a fair bit of uh, patting our backs here for the for the for what we're producing content wise, none of this happens. And I thank Matt several times throughout our interview. Like he gave me an hour of his time in July to do a video review session, you know, like um, whether it's Thatcher Demko when he was injured, sitting down for 45 minutes at Rogers arena, Yaroslav Halak when he came into town with the Rangers uh, after practice, Linus Almark half an hour after practice, just, you know, finding a room where we can sit and go over video. Um, You know, and Linus talked about that was his give back to the goaltending community. That's how these guys see it. Uh, and we can't thank them enough for being as open as they are with how they see the game, knowing that it's going to help the next generation of goaltenders in ways they didn't have an opportunity. Like they didn't have this opportunity when they were young. And I've had a lot of NHL guys say, "Hey, I wish I had this when I was young," and I'm happy to contribute to it. I will get to, to the latest uh, what's going on over at the, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, and uh, Source for Sports Langley uh, with our gear segment with Cam talking about uh, the Bauer Connect uh, HF2 skate. That's the second price point of the Bauer Connect, uh, the laceless skate, uh, the ski boot skate uh, that uh, a lot of us like to term it. Uh, but that's going to be a great opportunity for so many guys, uh, girls uh, to get into. Uh, that new technology. But uh, as far as uh, what you're thinking, wouldn't it have been nice to sit down with uh, Mika Kiprasov in the day 
and to see what he was thinking. And I'm not sure whether there was an answer to that because he was so natural and fluid and uh, flexible and chill uh, with it. And one one of those, uh, the first guys to have the uh, reaction to a situation to reset and he just, and now there's, there's a big uh, honor coming towards him. Yeah. Calgary flames retiring me. Kipisoff's number 34, putting it up in the rafters. Yeah. little shit, little, uh, fellow Pacific division team. The Vancouver Canucks should be doing the same with Roberto Luongo instead of the ring of honor, but I digress this fall. What a great honor for Kipper all-time leader in wins with the Calgary flames and a guy that I got to watch really closely here in Vancouver. A uh, couple little tidbits that 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 I think of when I think of Kiprasov. Toe ties, really tight. Did not have gap in his toe ties. His skates were literally off the ice when he dropped into the butterfly. The amount of tension that that would have put on his knees, uh, his hips. And so how did he manage it? He stretched like three hours on a game day. Kid you not, I was told he stretched 45 minutes before game day skate, 45 minutes after game day skate, 45 minutes before the game, and 45 minutes after the game. Three hours on a game day, that guy was stretching. Um, explosive, flexible, fun to watch, really a dynamic goaltender. And, you know, shout out to David Marcoux, too, because I think that gets lost a little bit. A lot of people talk about the trade from San Jose to Calgary and how, you know, what a fleecing, like, they, I can't remember what, what it was, maybe, you know, off the top of your head, Darren, but what they paid to acquire him, and he becomes their franchise leader. But it wasn't like there was there were things that he did different in Calgary because when he first arrived in Calgary, if you remember, he was injured. And so they worked on all kinds of things with stick handling, um, butterfly mechanic stuff. You talked about the five R's, the reset, the active reset he did after goals. So, you know, uh, some credit to David Marcoux for taking a really good goaltender who had a lot of skill and a lot of technique in his game and just adding, you know, some more modern stuff. Uh, last one for me, I think my favorite memory of Kiprasov was a story that um, was written in the Calgary Sun. And I remember following up on him, up on it with him later on. And we, I think we might have even published a version of it, Hutch, way, way back in the archives. But like he was just such a water up a duck's back personality, your perfect fan. And the story was, I think it was a Finnish national team camp and they made them go for a run in the woods. And so everybody ran into the woods and as soon as they were out of sight of the coaches that sent them into the woods, Kipper just stopped and basically found some berries. And he picked some berries and he ate some berries and he waited till the rest of the group came back. And then he joined them at the back end of the run and finished it off. And so there's all kinds of little, like he was kind of a, you know, sort of a devil may care attitude and, and just kind of came off as really casual about a lot of things. And so like he was excellent at his craft. And I talked about the three hours of stretching. He put a lot into it, but there was sort of a, there was a mischievous side to Mika Kippersoff and a humor that I don't think we got to see publicly because he was so quiet and soft-spoken. 305 of his 319 career wins coming as a member of the Calgary Flames. And yeah, that was a trade that uh, really benefited Calgary so much. And and at the time, uh, it was it was a conditional second round pick that they got from from the San Jose Sharks. Not a bad deal. Yeah. Except it worked out. This is one that worked out for both teams. Who was the pick? The conditional second round pick mm. was used on Mark Edward Vlasic, which worked out pretty good for, for the San Jose Sharks. So a win-win, uh, uh, second round pick, that's... Uh, it was actually a, a really gutsy trade to make to give up a second round pick for Kiprasov at the time. Cause he wasn't uh, playing cause but, he was stuck behind Toskala and yes. Nabokov. Yeah. 
So it, it, it looks great in retrospect, but what a gutsy play. Uh, I think it was, was it Daryl uh, or is it Mike Keenan uh, that coached him? I think Daryl was the coach in Calgary at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure who pulled, whether he was the G, who was the GM, but yeah, that you're right. That's uh, at the time, people, probably people would have been going, you're giving up a second round pick for this goal. He's not even playing for the San Jose Sharks and, and look how it turns out. So when you think of Mika Kiprasov, Hutch, what's one of the first things that comes to your mind? Well, I mean, it's personal. Like, like before Woody uh, was part of Ingle, when I first got started, um, shout out to Kevin Weeks, who was the first, one of the first people who uh, opened up to me and gave me the, the privilege of doing one of my first interviews and was meeting him at the rink when he was covering a Flames game in Calgary. I happened to be in Calgary at the time and uh, was able to organize to go to the rink and meet with Kevin Weeks. And there I was able to video and photograph Mika Kiprasov, the first NHL goalie I got to shoot in a rink. Uh, later on during that game day skate was uh, Devin Dubnik, I believe, showed up for um, the Edmonton Oilers. And I may have that one wrong, but I'm uh, pretty sure it was actually one of his, hmm. his early appearances there. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a really cool experience and, and glad to be a part of that. And thanks to, to Kevin for making that happen for me. Uh, and, yeah, just a very unique uh, goaltender in his approach to the game and... I think, uh, I mean, aside from just technically really enjoying the way he played the game and and admiring the way he played the game, I just, I, I think that mental approach and that attitude, I mean, you mentioned pl- playing for Daryl, um, probably that laid back finish attitude is something that you would need to be able to survive <laughs> with <laughs> Daryl, right? Like there's a goalie maybe that's uniquely qualified for that situation. And, uh, you know, in terms of that, uh, that long time uh, preparation on the ice that actually reminds me of uh, my college goaltending partner. My very brief cup of coffee in university goaltending was John Elkin, who works with a lot of these guys now in Toronto. And I remember him with some pretty intense preparation before every time he hit the ice, he was uh, uh, ahead of his time as a goaltender. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of n- maybe not specific Mika Kiprasov memories for me, but really some great ones. And I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long to retire his number, no? Fair. I can't remember I mean, how long he's been retired yeah. for a while. He's been involved in the organization as well. Uh, that's 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 a good point. Hi, Darren, I want to know yours. What's your what's your take? What's your resounding memory of Mika Kiprasov? There's two. One, the way he positioned his hands, right? Or approached it with the hands was fascinating. Yeah. It was just different uh, on that side okay and so the other now the other okay, one go was ahead just, and then i'll give you a story on that yeah i, I wanted to hear that because i've, I've never heard of why he uh, approached it with it with his hands like that the other one was the the young man who dressed up as kippersov in the stands yes. and right down to the beard and everything yes. and the mask up and, yeah. uh, and and i saw a picture a couple of years ago like he's a, he's a he's an adult now uh but uh but that is one of the things that that comes to mind now uh, that young man would wear the the street hockey pads and the mask and everything, and and would would imitate everything that Kipper did during the so course good. of a game. So the one thing we would never ask goalies to imitate is Kipper's glove hand motion. You mentioned it, right? He would basically turn his glove over like a timing mechanism, return the hand over to face the shooter, and then lift it up and make the catch. And just shows you how incredible fast his hands were. Now I was told, and I can't remember if I ever asked him this story or confirmed it with him. I feel like we did at some point 
but I was told that 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 motion that sort of turn the turning the hand over originates with a coach. I don't know at what level or what age. Again, I I know we wrote this at some point. It's probably way way back in the archives on the old site somewhere. But who used to turn pucks on end and fire pucks at Kipper from a pretty I don't again. Hopefully my memory serves me correctly from a somewhat close range. And it was a defense mechanism that became a part of his catching mechanism where he was basically like protecting himself, turning like, not that you would think you should turn your hand over, but it was like a flinch because this guy was firing pucks at his head that were turned on end and dipping and diving and moving all over. And that's where the hit started. And it just became something that became a timing mechanism. And, you know, I've had a couple, I, I know for sure I've heard that from a couple people and I'm, I want to say we've asked him about that at some point. Like it's, we're talking about a, a way back, and I'm I'm old, and you know that was a long time ago. But I I know I've heard that from multiple places, and like I said, I'm pretty sure at some point we ran it by Kipper himself. Dude was so flexible too. Uh, he's been retired ten years. Uh, Thirteen was his was his last year, so uh, he was he was due for this honor. And I'm with you, Woody. If you're in the Hall of Fame and you've spent any significant time with that particular organization, uh, with an organization, then your number should be retired. It unless you're Toronto and you've got uh, a, a different approach to it because you're you're so along in the tooth. But man, oh man, like uh, yeah. hello, Roberto Luongo, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a no brainer uh, that that you should be able to do that. Speaking of guys whose numbers will one day be retired. How about Cam at the Hockey Shop keeping up with all the stuff that is coming in there on a weekly basis? We're going to go to him here in a minute and talk about the Bauer Connect HF2, the second price point, quote-unquote, ski boot skate. But man, Hutch and I were in there, and that place is packed to the rafters with new gear. Custom graphics on the new Brian's gear that is exclusive to him. Some chest protectors that we're going to go through that have Source for Sports exclusive features, extra padding. Uh, the latest from CCM. These are all reviews we're going to get to here on the podcast, but these are all things that are in store now. So like there is so much coming in that we can't keep up. So if you're looking to find out what's new in goaltending, there's only one place to go. It's the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, thehockeyshop.com. If you have questions about what's new, how it works for your game, um, how it might fit differently than a previous product or say the previous iteration of that product that you've used, make sure you give Cam a call and his staff they will get all the answers to make sure that new gear fits your style, fits your game, and fits your body. Uh, that includes this new Bauer Connect HF2. Obviously, if it's a lower price point, you're getting a little bit less. But what's changed? What do you get less of? How big a difference does it matter? And at what level does it matter? Let's go to Cam and get all the answers. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports. We're out here in Langley amidst 30,000 square feet of 34,000 hockey goodness. amazingness here in Goalie Utopia, which is the special corner of the building. Special yes. because we have all the cool stuff. Speaking of which, speaking of cool stuff, like how popular have these been since they debuted last season, the Connect Skates, seeing it at the National Hockey League level? all over the place, have a ton of positive feedback from NHL guys. Um, really, and actually, you know, I digress here a little bit, but the biggest feedback I heard from top pros, from Andre Vasilevsky to Semyon Varlamov, um, hips don't hurt as much. 
the extra ankle And as Shakira flexion. once said, your hips don't lie, so you have to listen to them. You don't hear them as much when you're in the Connect Skate. And now, you can get in the Connect Skate a little cheaper, Cam. HF2. in intermediate sizes. So, this is the Connect HF2. Bowers come up with the second price point model. And of course, the question you're going to be asking first off is, what's the difference financially? And then what are the differences? What am I not getting for the lower price point? So let's start with that price point because it's a question everybody's going to have. $749.99 for a senior and $649.99 for the intermediate. Okay, so $1,000 skate? Correct. Doesn't come in intermediate. But you can't get it in intermediate. $750 skate and you can get it in intermediate. So that's a big difference. So the fact that we've got more people able to access this technology and get dorsiflexion through their ankles is a big part of the HF2. Now, what do you get or don't get here that you would get here? Ken Matwiv, walk me through the So let's clarify like right off the bat. The HF2 is not a replacement for the Connect skate. This is an alternative. It's creating a second price point. So similar to Bauer's tiering structure in their skates as we've seen previously. And also similar to what we've seen previously from Bauer Skates, their intermediate model is usually up-spec by quite a bit. So the differences are going to be a little bit more minute and minimal to a bit of a degree. So when you're getting a little bit more zoomed in onto the skate itself, we're going to start talking about, first of all, the actual shell itself. So the actual Connect Skate features their Gorilla Mid Shell, which is that crazy thermal moldable, high-impact, cold-weather-resistant, Plastic. And if you read the top review of the line. at ingolmag.com, you would know that Bauer went and worked with sort of ski boot manufacturers at the top end of that industry to Correct. source a material that would be hyper, their word, hyper thermal moldable. Get it? Hyper, hyper light? Kind of a thing. It's their thing. Just keep going. Okay. So, covered the actual shell. If we look down into the actual bottom buckle itself. So, hold on, hold on. Grillamid. No grill. No, no grill. But still thermal moldable, just not to the same degree. So still we still treat this the same in terms of the molding process itself for the skate. Uh, but it's again, it's like you you just you don't get that top end plastic, for example. Okay. So buckle-wise, when we look at the middle buckle, like the bottom one itself, we notice that it is shaped a little bit differently. What you are going to lose is a little bit of that macro adjustability. So when you look at the connect skate, that buckle is easily screwed in and out. Um because it did have some inherent issues to start off at the back, but this was an easy way to replace it and make sure that uh, you could get that swapped out quite easily. But through screwing it in and out, you got a little bit of that macro adjustability in terms of for how tight it is on the micro, top of your foot. Not macro. Micro. Adjustability. Adjustability. Just, just a correction there, Cam. Oh, a little one, eh? So we don't have that same adjustability in this buckle. No. Still get, obviously, your same normal notches, um, but not that same adjustability. But the top buckle does have the micro adjustability so the top the portion HF2. of the skate, pretty much the exact same. It's still what would be the connect. Okay, so now here's the thing. People are like, ooh, do I need the micro adjustability ooh. on the top of the foot? What if I told you that I got an NHL guy that doesn't even have a buckle on the top of this? Connor Ingram of the Arizona Coyotes. I remember being in the room this year. I'm like, whoa. I was like, hey, first of all, I'm like, hey, you're in the skates. Because it was new, right? So we were talking to guys that had it new. I'm like, you don't have a buckle at all on this skate, like none. Look at that, that picture. Like none, no buckle. You're telling me, so I was like, and he doesn't need it, got a bit of a bigger hand, um, or bigger hand. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't need it, has a bit of a bigger foot, little taller arc, so he didn't, it was just too tight, couldn't get it buckled. So he removed it completely. 
skate till, still performs at a really high level enough that he stayed in it despite not being able to use that buckle. So again, the need to micro adjust this one is not, it's like it's not absolutely necessary. You're seeing this at retail level. It can as be well. person to person dependent, which is great because that creates an ability to fit more people into it. So I got another question inside his room. Did you notice that he have two sets of liners for his skate? I probably should have made note. I did not ask. Not sure he would have had it in his locker because the trainers would have had that somewhere else. So great segue into another difference. Okay, so Ultralon liner does not feature Ultralon. If you want that same liner, these are sold separately. You can run two liners inside of the boot itself. Um, say you want to switch between periods or you have back-to-back -back ice times, things like that. That's an ability to kind of get a fresh skate in the middle of a game, which is amazing if you really think about it. Um, they're on sale as well. I believe they retail for 180 I think it is off the top of my head, and we do have them in stock. And yes, they're interchangeable, like I said. Um, so this is not the same level of the Ultralon liner. Where am I going to feel the difference? Is it the moldability? Uh, it's still going to have that same moldability because it is uh, a thermal molded foam itself, and it is going to have that memory foam activation from that thermal molding. So you are still going to get that same imprint, but in theory, you are getting the better liner here versus there in the HF2. And as you said, interchangeable. So if I want to spend $180 and buy my own second liner, you can buy the high-end one to put in Correct. the slightly lower end skate. So one more final note, especially when things when it comes to interchangeable, different steel between the two. You're going to find their Pulse SS steel, which is their Pulse TI steel without the titanium coating. So SS is calling out the stainless steel portion of it. In the regular HF2, we're just going to have their LS3G Plus steel which is they're still stock taller steel, which you're going to find on the Elite Skate. Um, this price point is available uh, as a replacement. Um, next step up, you can look into their uh, LS5G+, or we can also look into their Pulse TI steel, all of which are interchangeable, all of which are available aftermarket. So the steel itself isn't different, it's just the stainless steel coating, or is it actually a different steel? It is a different quality of steel between the two. Again, not... Not unexpected, you're paying less for the skate, you're, there's going to be portions where you're getting a little less, and in this case it's the steel, but it, again, interchangeable, you can upgrade, a, much like a liner having multiple, we know lots of goalies that work through multiple sets of steel, you can just transition through that process. Exactly. Holder itself, Vertex Edge, Still same same. Yes, so, big key callouts here, a little bit better of a price point, available in intermediate sizes, starting at size 4, you're getting more options, more people are able to move inside of this skate. Um, overall, I think it's, a, it's, it's an excellent option. So if you're looking for, you know, a higher end price point on the wall and literally looking for something to perform, you have two options. Okay. One more question for you, Ken. I'll go for it. We've seen a lot of goalies at the NHL level that want the forward flex. We've talked about the importance of dorsiflexion. We talked about taking the, some of the impact off the knees and hips by allowing the ankle to flex. Correct. Some guys have pinned it so it doesn't have as much forward flex. I understand this has a pin or, well, a, a system built in where you can do that. Am I correct? That is correct. So it'll be hard to show right now, but there's actually a hole in the back of the skate itself. Uh, what we can do is actually put in a helmet rivet um, or a helmet rivet that you would find on a normal goalie helmet itself. You pop that screw in and it limits the flex forward. I think you only get about like five degrees, maybe in and around that same area-ish of terms of forward pitch. So if it was too much, you want to take some of that away, it is a quick option to be able to uh, change that out and set that up for you. One more quick question. 
once you put the rivet in, how hard is it to take it out if you decide to go it's the just other a screw. way? It's just a screw. Just a screw. Okay, you said rivets, so I worry about rivets are being sort of a little more permanent. And the reason I ask that is because a lot of guys that we talk to on the national hockey level started the other way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with a little bit of forward flex and see if I want more as opposed to taking the full flex and then backing off. So just something to keep in mind if this Absolutely. is a new skate to you. Uh, we, like I said, we've got a ton of good feedback. Um, we weren't really sure what to expect with the Connect Skate. Uh, when we debuted it last year. And again, you can check out that full review at ingolmag.com. But talking to guys at the highest level where I think we traditionally see less willingness to adopt new technology, like guys are a little more sort of stuck mm -hmm. in their ways. I was really surprised at just how much they love this skate and how many guys switch and some of the reasons for it, frankly, uh, especially when it comes to sort of hip health. So uh, a lot to keep in mind there. And I think just a great thing by Bauer bringing it down to a lower price point so more people can get into it, adding the intermediate options. If they've got any questions, you can give Cam a shout at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790 or check us out at thehockeyshop.com. All of our social platforms, we've got some more video and stuff like that up on there. So give us a shout. Sorry, Hutch, you're going to have to put those numbers up because he talks so fast sometimes for everyone else. It's the balloon. It comes up somewhere. Like and subscribe. Bye. That's awesome. The second price point, because we've all looked at it, and there's a certain part of our community that just can't get into that $1,000 skate. But now you get to experience this new technology, first of its kind, at a, uh, a lesser uh, commitment financially. And uh, you get to go through all of it uh, and see what all the fuss is about. Well, and the kids can fit it now, right? That's the big yeah. thing, right? You have intermediate sizes now. And when we talk to these goalies like Semyon Varlamov, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, you know, I already mentioned some of these in the segment with Cam, but like these goalies are experiencing less hip pain. And so if that, you know, is a real thing that the dorsiflexion through the ankle relieves some of the tension on the knees and the hips, well, of course we want to apply that to young goalies who, you know, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. We've, we know goalies are 12, 13 year olds have, you know, 12, 13 years old having hip surgery. So if we can do things to sort of lessen the impact on young goalies' hips and make their hips healthier, then I think that's a great option. For sure. And Cam, what you mentioned it going into the gear segment. That whole operation is a resource that if you're not using them uh, on a purchase, you're doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely. And like I said, like Hutch, like, hey, like how full was that place of gear? Like we've gone through this era where supply chains and shipping and, you know, gears is definitely coming in later in the summer. Uh, and there were times, though, when it was like, man, like, what do we talk about? Because we don't have a lot to sell right now because you were waiting on so much gear. They are on top of all their ordering. They've got everything coming in new. As a matter of fact, Cam just texted me before we went on the air to say the True 7X3 line, which is, again, their first lower price point option since True acquired Lefebvre. He's getting some of that arriving in store this week. He just got his first um, sets of those today, and we're going to be back out there in the near future to film that as well. I know we rave about the place, Darren, but I think we we need to remind ourselves how cool some of these things are because we get to enjoy them all the time. And I think back to 
one of my first experiences going into sort of a goalie superstore like this, and I'm talking 20, 25 years ago, and how exciting that experience was for me. I was walking around the hockey shop the other day as we were filming, quite literally taking photos on my phone just to remember some of the displays and remember some of the stock and how they'd, I mean, just like you go to a stick rack, which has literally hundreds of sticks on it. It is so exciting. And then they've just got these gorgeous graphics of, I think, I think it was, you know, the mask rack had Jake Ottinger on the side of it. And just the, the display, it just, it's a celebration of goaltending. It's just so exciting and gets me hopping, boys. Have we officially settled on a name for the gear segment with Cam? Like, no, Cam's I was just crease? about to say, like, celebration of goaltending might be it now. But uh, Woody just said, Hutch, Woody just said Cam's going to get his number retired one day. I mean, are you experiencing some great personal growth this week or something? Because the chirps are back. I mean, he's he's all over Cam, and we all love that. And now he's saying that he's going to get his number retired one day. This is, uh, I hope Cam's listening because his head's growing by three good. more sizes again. I listen. You got to, you know, I, I chirp because I love. And the reality is Cam does a hell of a job at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. And we're, we're proud to be associated with them. They've done a lot for us. The partnership's been good both ways. Um, and it's, you know, it only works. In a matter of fact, this could be a nice little segue into our uh, feature interview and Sense Arena. It only works because they're good. It only works for us because they are so good at what they do and they take it so seriously and they truly are invested in the position, much like Sense Arena. When we first heard about virtual reality for goaltending and they approached us to become an advertiser, our first response wasn't, hey, sign you up. We want advertisers. Our first response was, we need to make sure this is legit. We can't promote something we don't believe in. And boy, do we believe in it now. And I feel the same way about the hockey shop. But back to Sense Arena, man, no better time of the year, Hutch. To try it, if you if you keep hearing us talking about it, you haven't tried it yet, can't get on the ice, free trials, now's the time to try Sense Arena. Sure is. And speaking of the hockey shop in Sense Arena, go check out our social media. I am sure by the time this podcast hits the airwaves, you will see one of Woody's submissions for the new contest. We got a nice photo of Woody outside of the hockey shop testing out Sense Arena. He just loves it so much. He opened up the card. There it is sitting in the back because he's got to take Sensorina everywhere he goes. He's like, Hutch, I just, I just got to run through one drill. Hang on a second here. Tosses the headset on in the parking lot. I had to snap a photo as one of my entries in the contest of where are you using Sensorina these days? We're so excited about summer road trips, going to goalie camps like I'm doing this weekend, about to drive to Edmonton to hang out with Eli Wilson. Parents all over North America and the world are driving kids to training sessions, just grinding, trying to be the best goalies they can by the time the fall rolls around. And Sensorina, whether it's one of your great training tools at home or whether it's a tool you take on the road for these great road trips of goaltending, Sensorina is something that should be in your backpack, helping you become a better goaltender, Woody. Darren needs his submission yes. to this contest. There are so many beautiful he... places in Vegas, Darren. Oh, no, 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 no. There's only one place that we need now. I need that giant spear freaky thing that they got down there on the strip. Oh, yeah. With the eyeball looking at you as you use Sense Arena in front of it. The latest uh, addition to the venue 
uh, list in in Vegas is the Sphere. It's like eighteen thousand people. It doesn't look that big, but eighteen thousand people fit into that thing for concerts. So you two's going to open it up, but it's the biggest LED display ever. If you haven't seen it, just Google the Sphere, and it's that's a it's, venue. I flew in the other day, uh, and and it was out the the right window, and it's like, wow, what a cool. And it wasn't even anything like ridiculously technical uh, or wild like the eyeball thing uh it it, it was just a, a not a generic uh design but uh one of those uh just fit into the environment and it was just jumping page you too need to enter this contest ah i was just about to say like you're kind of a big deal in vegas darren like uh you too uh hook a brother up with some tickets here man like wow you two in front of eighteen thousand people—that's like pipe dream stuff for some of us. And it's three sixty, right? So you're there's no real bad seats in that, and you're, it'll it it it's cool. Um, yeah, the tickets will be left at will call. Thank you. Uh, just uh, come on down, uh, enjoy it, and uh, make sure you you guys stop by the house and and let me know how it was. Will Love call. It. Love it. Bring List bring your ID. Kirk Broda and make sure. John and, Power. <laughs> That'd be that'd be really good. I was actually on uh, Legends Row in Toronto uh, the other day. Uh, after going to a Blue Jay game, we stopped by uh, Scotiabank Arena and saw uh, the guys, Turk Rota and and Johnny and and that whole thing. So that was kind of cool. Uh, wanting to join that type of uh, legendary status, uh, Connor Ingram is our Sense Arena feature interview this week. And and Connor, I watch him play, and he's one of those guys. Like he's not big, he's not overwhelming. I, I just want to play like him. The way he, he plays the game, I would love to be able to physically uh, approach it like he does. Yeah, and um, you know what? Like, I don't want to give away too much to this interview. I want to just roll it. It's not a super long one, but it is packed with details. Some tips, some great tips on puck handling, some tips on skate integration, depending on whether you know where the next pass is likely to go out of the reverse that he picked up from UC Soros when he was with the National Predators. Um, you know, some great advice on, you know, sort of managing life as a backup goalie because he wasn't playing a lot at the beginning of the season. And then he was lights out in the second half. Like, that's the other thing. Connor Ingram, and you're not going to notice it because Arizona, you know, not as many people maybe watching whatever. Um, they weren't a great team, obviously. They were they were more in the Bedard sweepstakes this year and their goaltenders bore the brunt of it. But his adjusted numbers, especially after Christmas, were off the charts good. He was exceptional. And, you know, again, I watched him play. Uh, a lot of shuffle movement. Credit Corey Schwab. He's going to talk about that, how he's added shuffles to his game instead of T-push. And so I think Corey Schwab's another. Look at the goalies that have come through there. Look at the success they have. I think Corey Schwab's a guy that doesn't get enough credit for the work he does to make sure that Arizona is a goaltending pipeline. Uh, Kemper Leaves wins the Stanley Cup. You got that Jamelka sort of out of nowhere and having success there. And now Connor Hill off waivers, Aiden Hill, another great example. So yeah, Schwabi deserves a lot of love and Connor Ingram gives it to to him uh, as just sort of one of the insights he shares as part of this feature interview. Enjoy it. Brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Really excited to welcome to the Ingo Radio Podcast, first-time guest, Connor Ingram of the Arizona Coyotes, uh, coming off a fantastic debut season with the Coyotes and a contract extension, three-year deal to stay in Arizona. I guess, first off, Connor, congratulations on the new contract. 
Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's good to get it done and have a home for a couple of years here. Nice to get a little stability. You've, I mean, I know you were in Nashville for a, use, for a few years, easy for me to say, for a few, few years before then. But um, just to have that, that little bit of consistency and, and, and have a contract for another three years, what, is, what does that mean to you as a goaltender? Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I've been lucky. I had my three-year entry level and then signed another three-year extension in Nashville and three more here. So it's been good. I mean, nobody wants to to go into a contract here every year. So to have that stability is, is good. And I'm just happy we got something done that everyone was happy about. That stability and building relationships, especially with a new goalie coach when you move from one organization to the other. Can you walk me through that process and and what clicked for you and Schwabi there in Arizona, what were some of the things that, you know, uh, he did that you liked or that fit your game in terms of uh, whether it's a teaching style or even just a communication style? Yeah, I think uh, I think we got a long way from the get-go. I know Schwabi's another Saskatchewan guy, so we had that in common uh, to begin with. And then Schwabi's a big believer in just, you know, what what makes you successful, lean into that and, and what, uh, what you struggle with to try and build on. So. He wasn't trying to make me into somebody I'm not or, or make me play like somebody else. And I think he just kind of took my good attributes and, and tried to make them better. So we've had a good relationship since the start and uh, he makes coming to the rink uh, every day pretty fun. Okay, so attributes that you consider your strengths. I think that can be the one thing when you go work with a new goalie coach. And this is advice that would resonate for kids, you know, right down to minor hockey when they're switching teams every year. Knowing your strengths and sticking to them. What do you see as, as sort of your foundation, Connor? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, I think from the time I was young, I was I was never fast enough or big enough to to get away with with just pure athleticism. So I had to learn to read the game and and think it before you played it. And I think that was that was one thing that always helped me. Um, I can't get lost outside the paint or anything like that. I'm not fast enough to recover. So. Just knowing, uh, knowing where I got to be, and just kind of waiting there, waiting for the game to come to me is is what I rely on a lot. I guess from a tactical standpoint, that would mean sort of maybe a little more neutral depth, not being aggressive, as you said, staying in the paint. Did you ever run into times in your career where you had a coach that was like, "Hey, I want you to take a little more ice. I want you to be more aggressive," and and maybe walk us through how you would navigate a situation like that again in terms of. You always got to you always got to make the coach you're working with happy and be willing to try new things, but at the same time, stay true to what you believe to be your strengths. Yeah, exactly. I think I think every coach wants you to to try new things, and you have to. Um, even even coming up through the minors, that's what the minors are for is is to learn new things and try new things. So I think definitely when I turned pro, I I tried to push the limits as much as I could just to build that speed and and that trust in yourself to to know that if you ever do get out there that you can fight your way through it. So I think that's just a, a stepping stone. And I mean, I'm 26 years old and this will be my seventh year pro. I'm, I'm still trying new things to, to try and get better uh, tools in the toolbox, as Dave Rook always says. One of our favorites, um, that phrase, that's kind of what we're all about here at Ingle. Is there any, any tool you can share with us that might've been new working with Corey or even something you picked up uh, um, from, from Carl Vegmelka in terms of you know, maybe doing something a little different than you had in the past and tinkering with it and being like, Hey, I like this. This works for me. I mean, there's new things you learn, you learn everywhere you go. Um, I don't know. One of the, one of the first things Schwabi taught me was even when guys were in pucks and you got to know what hand they are to know how hard they're going to come around the boards, the spin coming off sticks is different from, from each way and whichever way it's coming. 
things like that. I mean, uh, I picked up from UC in, in Nashville. He'll, he'll play with the toe box. Um, if pucks are below the hash marks and then if it goes up high, he'll put his blade on the post just so he can jump out harder and things like that. Just little things that if you just watch guys that are the best in the world of what they do, you'll pick up on. So it's fun to watch and I like learning and I think I'm a visual learner too. So just, uh, you know, being at the opposite end of Veg all year, I think I think I probably do things like Veg does now without even thinking about it. Can you give us a? Can you think of an example? I, I said I know you just said without even thinking about it, but I loved both of those examples. I never would have thought about what hand. Like we talk a lot in pro reads about what hand on a rush, but I would never would have thought about handedness on a rim. Yeah, exactly. Just things like that, though. Like even I'd never thought about that. I mean, it seems so standard to Schwabi. And when he talked to me about it, I was like, that makes sense. I just never really put the pieces together. So, I mean, we've been at it for a long time and somebody's always going to teach you something if you're watching and listening. Adjusting to a new team uh, in terms of as the year went on, especially as a guy you mentioned, reads are something that you see as a strength. How long does it and did it take to get comfortable? Was there a process, a time where it clicked? Just basically reading off not so much systems because I don't know how much they're different from one team to another, but is it more individual tendencies? Um, you know, in order to read the game, you have to not only be able to read what opponents are trying to do, but trust what's going on in front of you and read off your own guys. Is that a process? And is there anything you can do to expedite it, video or or whatnot? Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was anything Nashville did, but I mean, or not Nashville, uh, Arizona did, but. Uh, I mean, at the start of this year, I had six NHL games and four of them came in the playoffs. And I, I always, I always run it back to, to when you're a freshman in university, you know, that first six months, it's going to take a while. You got to learn how to cook for yourself and how much fun you can have and balance schoolwork. And that's what I always kind of compare it to. So every level you take, you gotta, you gotta learn how it works and how it goes. So I think there was a, there's a little bit of a learning curve whenever you make a jump and, for me, this is my first time in the NHL kind of full-time. So it uh, kind of right before Christmas there, you started to figure it out. And after that, it just gets a little bit easier. Is it just a comfort level thing? Or there, like you said, there are little little details in terms of how the team does things, how how the league is that takes a while to adjust to? I don't know if it's details or things like that, but I mean, it's the NHL. No matter No matter what you do in the American League, the NHL is always going to be a step up. It's right. It's different speed. It's... It's different skill levels. You're never going to see a, an Alex Ovechkin one-timer in the AHL, no matter how good they are. That's just It's a whole other level, and no matter how hard you work in the AHL, it's always going to be a step, no matter what. So I think it's uh, there's a bit of a learning curve there for sure. I mean, learning curve can apply to, like you said, comfort around the team, reading off teammates, um, technical, tactical. What about mindset? You know, knowing that you belong and believing that you belong. Is that is that a is that a work in process or a work in progress as you get there and spend your first full season? Or do you go in with that belief and, and just have it reaffirmed? How, how did you approach that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely different. You always tell yourself that you're good enough to play in the NHL, but until you get there, I don't think... I don't think anybody that says that uh, that they've never questioned whether they do it or not is is telling the truth. There's always going to be that that seed of doubt, and and you gotta you gotta do it, and you gotta succeed to to truly get that confidence. So uh, I think just the more you do it, the more comfortable it gets. Uh, it's like anything in life; the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. So it's it's definitely different, but uh, it's a fun process. Okay, so you're clearly a passionate about the position. Um, especially I just, I love the way you talked about those deal details in terms of 
you see on the post or the the, the spin-off sticks and handedness on dump-ins. Where did it start for you? Let, let's let's rewind. Superheroes have origin stories. Where's yours? <laughs> Uh, I played defense until I was 12 years old. And then I realized I couldn't skate. <laughs> um, I can only do crossovers one way. So then, uh, mom and dad stuck me in the net and said, this is what you're going to do. So that's where it started for me. Um, I, uh, I wasn't passionate about the position as a kid. There's no doubt about it. I, I didn't love it. I definitely loved playing out or I, it took, uh, it took me learning that I wasn't going to do it that way to, to, to become a goalie. So. A little different for me, but that's uh, that's my story. Okay, so do you see? You know, I keep coming back to reads because reads are such an important. I don't think you can succeed at the National Hockey League level unless you read the game well, and you've mentioned it as a strength. And it's something that a lot of kids, you know, frankly today don't develop. Um, you can spend a lot of time in goalie schools doing goalie drills and not really learn how to sort of process and connect the patterns of the game playing defense until you were 12 years old. You know, we've had Braden Holpe on saying his dad, who was a goalie, wouldn't let him play goal until he was, I think, 13 or 14. The idea being understand the game from the other side of the ice. Do you think that, you know, one of the reasons reads are a strength is all the time you spent playing as a defenseman, like you seeing it and coming at it from that side of the puck. Do you think it helped you as a goalie? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it teaches you the game. It teaches you how the game works. Um, it's like anything in life. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, uh, and you can't just play hockey too. I mean, people, people call goalies athletic or non-athletic, but I think you got to do other things too. It's like you grow up playing baseball or, or tennis or golf, whatever it is, all those things are going to help you cross train to, to be a good athlete, not just a good hockey player. So, uh, I'm a big believer and you gotta, you gotta see it all before you, uh, before you decide what you want to do. And I think it definitely helped me. Other sports? What were yours? Oh, I did it all. Yeah. No, I yeah. Uh, tried it all. Pretty much everything you can name. I never played soccer. Um, growing up in small town Saskatchewan, that's one we didn't have, which is crazy because my fiance now played soccer in college. So she has to sit me down and teach me the rules of soccer. And I, uh, I'm i starting to enjoy it more and more now. But uh, that was about the only one I never did. I was, I was, I was really bad at a lot of them, but uh, I definitely tried them. Physical literacy, that's what they say, play everything. And yet so many kids are year-round goalies from a very young age. So I got to ask, as she sits you down to teach you soccer, are you like me? Does the size of the goal just make you twitch? Yeah, it's it's definitely different. I mean, it was, I think it was one of the very first dates we ever went on. We went to a Nashville SC game. And I had to be honest with her. We were, I had to sit her down and just be like, listen, I, I don't know what's happening here. You're going to have to walk me through how this works. So yeah, she's taught me a lot and I do enjoy watching soccer now. So it's uh, it's fun. I mean, for me, it was a new sport that the world loves that I had never gotten into or understood. So it's fun to kind of be new to it and still have that excitement. You said you played them all except soccer. What, is there one that you go back to still? Like, are you dedicated just like gym guy in the summer or do you play other sports? I remember Lundquist for years, tennis was his thing in the off season because he was moving his feet and using hand-eye coordination. Is there something you like to go to so that you're not just training goaltending all the time? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I know Sarah and I play a lot of tennis. Uh, we play tennis at the gym too. Um, this is the first year that I haven't played. I played men's baseball with my brother for a lot of years, just as something to do, but this is the first time where I said I probably shouldn't do that anymore and take care of the body just in case something happens. So 
no, I, we like to do it all and, uh, I, I enjoy it. We play slow pitch every now and then or things like that. So I, uh, I'm a big believer in, in doing other things and, and getting away from the game of hockey for a little bit. You said you didn't love it at the beginning. Have you come to love the position since then? And where did, you know, if, if so, at what point did that start? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, as a, as a goaltender, I think you're either the hero, or you're the goat. So some days you love it and some days you hate it with a passion. It's like, yeah. it's like being a football kicker. Nobody cares until you screw up. So, uh, it's, it's definitely a love hate relationship, but I, I definitely enjoy it now and it's, it's different. And, um, a lot of people that I meet when they ask what I do and if I say I play hockey, they say, Hey, well, how can you still have all your teeth? So that's definitely a nice part of the, of the job. But uh, yeah, no, it's there's there's days you love it, there's days you hate it. There's no there's no doubt. So obviously you've got a good fitting mask because there are some of us who have lost teeth despite being a goalie. So I, I'm yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm glad to hear it. Um, those sociopaths that don't wear the chin straps, those guys are nuts. Yeah, I may have not had the proper one on when I lost mine. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The lesson chin sling. Yeah. yeah, lesson learned. Lesson learned, Connor. Um, hey, uh, Kamloops, uh, you once told me that Dustin Tokarski was your guy. So as as you get into the position, and like you said, love hate, but was there? You know, was he the guy growing up? Um, and how did you know? Walk me through your juniors, your time with Dan De Palma, and sort of, you know, how your game evolved. How you went from the kid who hadn't played goal until he was twelve to you know, playing major junior just a few years later. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely love Ticker. I still love Ticker. I was talking to him when he signed a Buffalo the other day, actually. No, I think for me, I was, I was never good at it. Um, I mean, I started, I left Imperial when I was 13. I got cut from my Bantam double A team at 14. I played midget double A at 15, 16. I got lucky and got on a good team in PA. And then 17, I ended up in the dub, wasn't drafted. 18 had a good year, ended up getting drafted. So, I mean, I was never the guy that I think people looked at and was like, that guy's going to be the next big thing. And I was just for some, for some reason, just kept plugging away at it and eventually made it out. So I, uh, I don't think I'm the, the textbook at 10 years old, everybody knew that guy was going to play in the NHL story. So, uh, yeah, it's a little different, but I mean, growing up where I grew up, uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't on the radar for a lot of people. I don't think. I think probably some good lessons in there for kids that you know maybe are a little down right now because their summer or their draft uh, didn't go the way they had planned or maybe had <laughs> hoped. Yeah, I think uh, I think at the end of this, I could write a, a decent little book if I wanted for for all the things that have gone on in my life. So it's uh, it's it's definitely not been easy, but for some reason, I just kept doing it, and here we are. Uh, well, hey, I happen to know a publishing company that would be happy happy to uh, happy to happy to let you be one of their authors when that time comes. <laughs> um, talk about Dan and and like how did your game evolve technically? Because obviously, as much as you talk about reads being the strength, um, you know, for example, I watch your skating and your movement and use of shuffles rather than t pushes in a lot of situations really stands out, uh, especially on plays laterally you know, frankly, where you're making saves at a rate that's amongst the top in the National Hockey League this past year. Um, you know, where did that technical side of things start to come around for you? I think, uh, yeah, I think Dan De Palma was, was one of the first, like, full-time goalie coach I ever had. Um, there was a company here in Saskatoon called Gold Tech that I used to go to when I was a kid, but he was the first one that I ever, I ever had full-time, so... 
anything like that that uh, that you give me credit for definitely came from him. So he uh, he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about goaltending. He taught me a lot about being a person. So he uh, he'll always be a great mentor in my life. And there's there's definitely a couple of texts between exchange between us uh, uh, quite regularly still. When I describe the skating, like, like, have I got that right? Do I, am I seeing that right? Like are shuffles, has that just always been how you've done it, Connor? Or, or is that, was there a point in your life? Cause you know, I know at different stages over the last 20 years, like everything would have been T push at certain times. And now we're seeing shuffles become more and more common. So, um, am I just seeing something that you've always done innately or, or is there, was there a point where that, that was added? I think that's a Schwabby thing, honestly. I know, okay. I know when I came over, from Nashville, we did a lot of stuff where, where he talked me out of doing T pushes and just shuffling around instead. So I think that's something that, that he hammers home and his whole uh, stance on it is, is why would you open a foot and get not square when you can just shuffle and be square the whole way in case it comes a little quicker than you're thinking it is. So that's definitely something he ingrained in me too. And honestly, when you say it, it's not something I think about. Uh, it's probably just try not to get scored on and do whatever it takes. I was just going to say like that, that's probably a good sign, right? Like uh, not to yeah. sh- show my age, but if you think out there, you're dead. The fact it became instinctual after just a year with Schwab, is probably a hat tip to both of you. Yeah, I know there's a, there's a drill we do every morning. Uh, it's one of the first things we come on the ice. And when I first got there, it, it, it started with T pushes and he said, why don't you just shuffle it? And it never crossed my mind that I could get there just doing that. So that was one of the first things he did teach me. And now that you say it, it makes sense that it probably just slowly crept its way into my game. Uh, and it, as you went through that the first time making that adjustment, was there any like any keys you could share with others? Hey, like this is how you become a guy who who shuffles more than T pushes. Just do the drills repeatedly. Or is there is there some little intricacies that that can help you get better at shuffling? Because like I said, it really does stand out. No, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that goes about it. It's probably just that's what Schwabi told me to do. And I was trying to stay in the NHL. So I did it. Yeah. And uh, it worked for me. I mean, that's why Schwabi's been around for as long as he has and why he's pumped out guys that he has. Uh, I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah, one of the best. Um, Last one for me. Uh, One of the challenges, especially early this year and at other points in your career, has been not playing as much, right? Like when you're in the backup role, um, you got to play more at the end of the season this year. For other kids that find themselves in that spot, Connor, and you've you know you've been a starter uh, at, at, for most of your career at, at all levels, but there have been times where you where you aren't playing as much, especially as a guy who, who you know who relies on reads, who probably has a little more timing in his game. How do you how do you stay in rhythm when you're you know how to stay on your game when you're not playing very many games? Any advice you can pass along to young goalies that are like, man, I'm not playing as much. I need to stay sharp. How do you do it? It's it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I think it was it's probably mid December. I I sat down with Schwabi and I said, "Listen, um, the last six years I played in the AHL, the whole point of playing in the AHL is just playing or in the AHL is just playing as much as you can. You have to prove that you can be a starter in the AHL to make the NHL, right. and then you get to the NHL and you go and you be a backup. So it's you've you've worked your whole life to be one thing to make it and do something else." Because nobody breaks into the NHL as a starter. You got to break in as a backup and earn your way through there. Of course. So it's definitely it's definitely different. And I remember sitting him down, just being like, "Listen, I I forgot how to do this." And uh, and then he he helped me through it. I mean, you just you take practice like games, and and you got to learn to to play once a week again. 
for a lot of us, that's different when you make the NHL, you know, we played 150 AHL games. And I think my last two years I played 60 and 50 in the AHL. So it's, you got to do that to make the NHL and then you go back to doing it the other way. So it's, tough. it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a learning curve and I got to give Schwabi credit because we did have that conversation. I was just it's like, I don't, I don't know how to do this anymore. And uh, he helped me through it. And I mean, we just took practice like a game every day. And then, like you said, I got lucky in the, in the second half and started to play more. So you kind of get back into that rhythm, but it's, uh, it's definitely different. And, and just to, just to pull on that thread a little bit more, um, treating practice like a game uh, as a philosophy to, to help you keep in game rhythm, man, like we're all goalies. We know that there are large portions of practice that just kind of suck for goalies, right? Like it's just not, you know, it's like guys are shooting every three seconds. Do you have to pick your spots? Like, how do you, how how do you do that? Like, it's one thing to say, I'm going to be game intense, but how do you, do you have to pick moments? How do you, how do you sort of find that sort of balance? No, I don't. In the NHL, I don't think you can you can pick your moments. From it was it was something uh, that Ben Vanderklok in Nashville used to say to me. He said, "When you step on the ice, you're ready to go, no matter what. Whether you get a warm up drill or not, you better be at the top of your game from the moment you hit the ice." And uh, and that's kind of stuck with me. I mean, even now with Schwabi, we'll go out 15 minutes early every day, but from the moment my skate touches the ice, it's it's go time and. This is what we do for a living. So it's going to work. It's not, it's like going into the office at 9 a.m. and taking until 10 a.m. to really get into it from, from the moment you step on there. It's, it's go time. So it was, uh, it's a, it's a learning curve and it's something in pro hockey you, you got to buy into and, and do. So it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of life lessons tucked away on here. I was just going to say that was, it sounds like great advice. Sounds like a great lesson for goalies at every level. Uh, I I know we've published articles over the years. Like how do you manage practice when practice isn't for goalies? And sometimes maybe over managing it is a problem. You just got to go out there and compete as hard as you can. And I think that's great advice on its own. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's all you can do is, is that's a, that's the, what we do and we go to work. So put your work boots on, take your lunch pail and get at it. Well, it's been really fun. Uh, watching you go to work in the National Hockey League over this past year. I'm excited to watch you staying in Arizona for the next three years on the new contract and uh, just can't thank you enough for taking the time. Like you said, try to get away from the game and here I am hitting you up on July 11th for an interview. Um, Your time is much appreciated. I know a lot of young goalies are going to benefit from the lessons that you shared. So thank you very much, Connor. No, I appreciate it. All good. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Really interesting. And and the part that I'm honestly having trouble getting through all my brain synapses and making some sense of it is the way you dump the puck in, which hand the player dumps the puck in, uh, will really uh, have an effect on speed and, and how you, you play it. Uh, Hutch, how, what did, was your reaction when you heard uh, Connor talk about that? Yeah, it's it's honestly not something I'd thought about uh, before. So I was really excited every time we get a new little tidbit after all these hundreds of interviews. It's really, really fun. And uh, so I told you I had my goalie parent moment on the way to the rink today. I had my goalie coach moment at the rink today. Uh, I was on the goal on the ice with uh, my son, Matthew, and a young goaltender, uh, Finn, all the way from Switzerland. Uh, thanks to our friend Pete Martin at Pro Skate Goal in Calgary. 
he uh, connected us because he knew Finn was going to be on the island and wanted to get him together with Matthew, same age. And we were doing a session. We had a couple of really, really good shooters, one American leaguer, one NCAA shooter. And we were doing a little bit of puck handling stuff. And I said, hey, guys, can we just just try something? We were listening to a podcast the other day on the way to the rink. And here's what um, Connor Ingham told us. And I happen to have one right-handed shooter and one left-handed shooter. So we started dumping pucks in from the same side of the ice so that um, Maddie and Finn would get the experience of working with both-handed shooters. And and first off, the thing that was really fun is when I explained to the shooters why we were doing this, they got all excited and said, oh, yeah, heck, it makes a huge difference on one-timers when somebody's passing it to me. If I get the right spin on the puck, I, I can get off a much better one-timer. And, uh, and so they totally understood this might make a difference. And yeah, if you're coming in on your on wing, so a right-handed shooter on the right wing, um, the puck will spin in such a fashion that it will add to the velocity of the puck as it goes around the boards. And it makes it a little bit tougher to pick up that puck as it hits your stick behind the net and maybe a little bit more prone to popping out front as well. Look, it was a very quick test that we had. Um, but Maddie definitely came back eyes wide open and said, yeah, it makes, it makes a big difference. It's something I'm going to start noticing. It's not like when you're receiving a dump in, you're going to be overly focused on this. It's just one of those things that'll be in the back of the mind and probably, you know, just increase the odds a little bit in your favor because you know, something that's going to be coming towards you is going to be just a little bit different. So a whole new way of reading the game. Love it. Just love it. I love it. I love that. That's how it, like it's so organic, right? Like you ask Connor Ingram, hey, like what's something new that you you picked up this year, you know? And and he shares that, and we're already got guys experimenting with it. I'm sure we're going to hear back from like other people are going to be paying attention to this around the goalie world, right? Like there will be other coaches that will start to bring this up, and other goalies that will start to have this conversation. Like it's the perfect. And thank you, Connor Ingram, for doing that and being so open and sharing. It's yet another perfect example of what we're trying to be all about: tools in the toolbox. I don't think I ever would have figured that out or thought of it ever that 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 was an actual thing. Well, I never would have figured it out because my team doesn't let me handle the puck. (laughs) Barely. You got to handle everything. Who cares what they say? The opposition against me would never dump it in. Like, why would we do that? If we're going to dump it in, we're going to dump it in on the net. We're going to put it on the net, not not throw it around the boards. (laughs) Why would we waste a scoring opportunity on that? It's so much easier in beer league to handle the puck because instead of the dump and chase, they play the dump and watch. <laughs> they you, they dump and then they go to center ice and drop the puck. That's yeah, what they <laughs> dump and drop. My, my problem is so do my defensemen. The dump and cheer. Hey, uh, want to wish you uh, a great weekend up with Eli Hutch. Uh, you guys uh, really enjoy that. Uh, love him. Uh, he's such an, an amazing uh, person and a teacher. So uh, really enjoy that. And Woody. Uh, for those that don't know, why would they? Uh, you are on a uh, personal uh, leave right now uh, in the midst of uh, some fun, and you made time to do this, and that is awesome and so uh, uh, crucial to the success of this podcast and, and in goal and everything. So uh, taking the time out of having everybody else is off having fun right now, and you're you're uh, doing the podcast, so uh, well, thank you I, I mean, all the goaltenders. Hutch is grinding fourteen hours a day. I couldn't just like uh, bail completely on my on my on my gig here. Wait, could it just no? Be good. I gotta and keep Hutch, I gotta keep up with the big man who is just absolutely killing it at Ingle right now. Pro read week. Pro I say read it week. like, let's go, 
Devils. Buffalo. Pro read week. <laughs> uh, thanks to uh, Connor Ingram, uh, obviously Cam. Uh, congratulations to Kipper. And uh, thanks to you for listening. In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. <laughs>